Good evening, everybody. Good evening. So glad you're with us tonight. Yes. 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 We're, we're here, baby. Standing room only. Standing room only. That's right. That's right. I am trying to get in to the video going right now. Yep. So let's, uh, let's get down to brass tacks here. Okay, let's talk about it. I think that's the phrase. What we want to talk about. Yeah, why would anybody want to get down to brass tacks? I mean, could they have been other kinds of tax? You know, I mean, yeah, could you say plastic tax? Yeah. And why, why if, if you're trying to emphasize a point, would you say, I want to get down to some brass tax? Yeah, let's get down to the brass yeah, of the tax. You know, no, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so, Tommy. Yeah, I know, Tommy Brady. Tommy. Won the Super Bowl. <sighs> yeah. He did. Yep, there's some new video coming out. My daughter sent me some video. I just got it about an hour ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tommy Brady is uh, riding down one of the canals in Tampa Bay oh in boy. his $2 million boat and uh, waving to the crowd. Mm. Gronkowski. Yeah. Was this lady just kind of <laughs> shouting out things? Oh, who's this lady? <laughs> no, we don't do that. What, what kind of show you think this is? This is not Larry King Live. <laughs> so, uh, um, that was my wife. Uh, so, uh, yeah, apparently Tom Brady was in one boat, and there's nothing wrong with having a $2 million boat. Okay, no, first of all, no, I think it's ridiculous that people will report things like that. Yeah. Like, that's supposed to, like, incense me that he yeah. got a $2 million boat. I don't care what's... You know, boats cost a lot of money. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but apparently somebody dared him to throw the Lombardi trophy from one <laughs> boat to another, and he actually did it. Yeah, it's it's on Twitter. How far do you think it was? Uh, I don't know. It was the first down. Oh, so at least it, 10 yards. Yeah, it was, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah uh, maybe five yards. The ref's helping him on that one, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Uh, Sarah Thomas <laughs> made the call, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was another good thing about the Super Bowl. First yeah. woman referee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, she actually made a call, and um, when they asked her what was wrong, she said she didn't want to talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> It was low lying fruit. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to talk about it. Oh uh, boy, yeah. <laughs> nothing like a woman referee to find something <laughs> something wrong with what these dudes are doing. You know, <laughs> Some there's gonna be, be so many penalties yeah. these coming years. Yeah, yeah. You know, so she uh, did a good job though. But I mean, we want to thank all yeah. of our uh, female subscribers yeah. to our channel. Uh, <laughs> very valuable yes. to us. Very special. Um, yeah. We got a good night tonight, though. Yeah. We're going to continue to be talking about learner, lover, leader, and uh, why don't you, why don't you uh, take us there? Yeah. We're going to go first, discipleship. Yeah. Not just being in a group. It was going ongoing response okay, to well, God's call in our lives. Do you well, want me to slow down with that? No, I don't want you to slow down, but when, but when, when I said, like, take us there, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like bro talk. Oh. Like, why don't you pray? Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're gonna have to work on it. <laughs> we'll get this. My, it, yeah, it's kind of. I wouldn't say it's street language. No, uh, usually when no, somebody tells me take it there, it's yeah. like, hey, get up on the keyboard, boy. Okay, take play it. me a song. Right. Okay. Yeah, you know. All right. But that's that's all right. Just, so from yeah. now on, when I say take take it, I'll pray. Take us there. Yeah, okay, that's I'll right. Okay, okay, go ahead. That's good. Take us there. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence here with us in this room. 
thank you for your love and the challenge that we that we see because you love us so much in scripture and the the stories we're going to go over tonight god i just pray that you'll bless our conversation um Reveal yourself new to us as we talk about it. May we be learners up here as we're discussing this and bring things into our mind and insights from your, from your very word um, that we can lean on, that we can dive deeper into to understand you more. Thank you so much for your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, one of the things that got a lot of interest last week was when we talked about how God was going to kill Moses. Mm-hmm. He pinned him to the ground and it looked like he was going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently a lot of folks... Uh, we're kind of scratching her head on that one, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. uh, I told my wife about it, and she really came up with a really brilliant answer. Obviously, she works for a law firm. Mm-hmm. Because we were like, well, did God tell him about circumcision? Did they have that conversation? Well, one of the things that, that happens is as soon as God pins Moses to the ground to kill him, mm-hmm. we're not told why he's doing it. But Zipporah knows why he's doing it mm-hmm. and gets up and, and circumcises the boys. Even without being told. Yeah. That means it's based upon prior information and a prior conversation. Mm-hmm. So um, just uh, one of those situations where we find out that, you know, uh, it doesn't matter how many talents you have. doesn't matter uh, what your calling is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to get your house in order. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. But yeah. uh, so we're talking about learner, lover, leader. And today we're continuing to focus on learner, one who is intentional. Receptive mm-hmm. and engaged in the life challenge, uh, life change challenge in Christ likeness. But we're going to be talking about perpendicular and parallel learning. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about this at church. Um, I, I think it's really good. Uh, uh, you know, parallel learning. What do we say that that is? I mean, kind of describe yeah. parallel learning. In parallel, you've got an idea. This is your idea. And then the learning moment comes in and it's kind of right along with your idea. Yeah. It uh, agrees with it. It doesn't have to make you really move off your opinion or or um, stance, and that's kind of where we yeah. get that idea. It's easy learning. Yeah. You know, um, it's the kind of learning that saw, I'm already moving this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you put one of Newton's laws into place, an object in motion continues in motion until mm-hmm. acted upon another object. We like to be able to do what we do and continue to do what we do, and we would prefer that God just not mess up our velocity on that. Yeah, kind of like an echo chamber. That's what we hear around today. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Echo chamber? Yeah, you've, you've never heard that term? No, I never have. Yeah, it's just a, it's basically everyone's idea agrees with you echoing in the same... Oh, yeah. oh, that's oh, what, oh, yeah. that's that's good. That's yeah. good. Is that street language? Toby told me it. Oh, oh no, Toby. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's a, you hear it a lot. If you watch any pundits or anything like that, pundit, yeah. yeah, pundits or anything like that, or... it's Echo a, chamber. Yeah. Okay. It's just your idea being echoed back to you, basically, or someone else's oh, idea oh, that you oh. agree with. Yeah. I think I'm explaining it correctly. Yeah, well, that sounds good, as opposed to the perpendicular learning mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Now, that's a moment when, as we all know from geometry, that's when the uh, we have an intersection of one line with another at a 90-degree angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, is it a 90-degree angle? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a 90-degree angle. And... Um, so then we have some sort of collision taking place. Mm-hmm. We have, and usually when there's a con- uh, collision, there's conflict, there's heats generated, um, all, all those kinds of things. It's an alteration of, uh, it's, it's what they were trying to do in the movie Armageddon. Remember Bruce Willis was up there? Oh, great movie. Yeah, one, and scientifically true. Oh, it's, I mean, yeah, I thought, yeah, those facts were, yeah. I mean. Accurate, yeah, 100% accurate. Absolutely. We could land a space shuttle on a, 
on a asteroid anytime. Anytime. And then take a nuke and shoot it at it and hit it at a perpendicular angle and then so it would avoid the Earth. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so that's real. Stuff like that's real. 100%. But that's exactly the idea, is that it alters the course of your trajectory. Most people um, don't like that, but it does affect our lives. So Jesus says something that I think is really interesting. A lot of us don't unpack it this way. But I, I want you to hear the, the collision and the impact in his message. Mm-hmm. In Mark 1.15, he says, the time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God is near, repent, and believe the good news. So what he's saying is that the time has come for us to be engaged learners. He wants us, this whole process, the kingdom of God is near, and the response to that fact that is occurring um, is to repent and to believe the good news. Mm -hmm. So we've got a new data set. Repent meaning turning around. Yes, yeah, yeah, metanoia. And it's the idea of changing one's perception or understanding. Mm -hmm. We always think of it as like repenting from sin, Mm -hmm. but that's not the only context. It's it's a changing of perception or thinking or purpose. Mm -hmm. And so what he's saying is that the kingdom of God is near and that there is this perpendicular event. It's this idea of changing our minds. It's about believing the good news. So I've got a whole new data set coming in that I'm being challenged to believe and that it will hit perpendicularly with my current data set on how I'm living my life. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, so I've always interpreted the idea of the kingdom of God is near where you think, oh... You know, so, you know, I'm going to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I don't know, that's street language, yeah. street talk. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what that means, but, um, but it's, it's really a call for us to, rep- uh, to uh, enter into a learning moment. Mm-hmm. So um, to change our perception, and it's interesting, and I don't know if everybody's thought about this, about when you, when you change your mind, and I think it's all built into that one verse. Uh, it covers every aspect of the mind. It covers the data, the way data is processed, and then the reason the data is processed. Hmm. And, and I think you have to look at, when I'm learning something, it's not just the data of the event that I'm learning about. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's say it's something relationally with my wife. That, okay, I'm getting fed some data about a relational thing um, that I'm to now learn, so there's the data, there's kind of like what is being said, then the way that the data is being processed processed in me is part of the learning. Am I receiving it? Am I angry about it? Am I resentful? Am I even listening to it? And then the reason the data is processed. Because I can take the information from my wife and I can process it but if my reason for processing is so I could just shoot out an argument back at her, well, then I'm not really in a learning moment, mm-hmm. even though new data is coming at me. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so uh, I think that's, um, that's really important is that we need to realize that in the scriptures that the data, the way the data is processed in us, and then the reason the data is processed in us is very important. And we're going to see in a second how two kings of Israel had the same data being thrown at them. 
how they processed the data differently and the reason they were processing the data was different. And the outcome of these two men's lives is dramatic. Mm-hmm. So basically, the, it, it, it's really interesting what we're going to see here in, in a few minutes. So there, there are two kings of, of ancient Israel, um, and they are in two different situations for learning. And, and I think I find that when I learn, I don't just learn one thing. I'm learning two things, like with God. So if, for instance, I learn something to grow out of. Mm-hmm. And I also learned something to grow into. So I can just focus on being, well, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to be so prideful. Okay, well, that's, that's a learning mo- a part of it, but that's not all of it. God doesn't just call me to grow out of something. He calls me to grow into something. It's the two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always important that when we're going into a situation, it's like, okay, what is God wanting to me grow out of in my life in this moment while this person's talking to me? And then what does he want me to grow into in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I get a lot of sometimes some criticism about my teaching on Sunday mornings. And um, I have to look at it in this situation. It's like, okay, what does God want me to grow out of? What is it about this comment and this email or this text message? I mean, sometimes I don't even get home before I get <laughs> hammered, okay? It is, it's like, I got to Hammered with text messages. Yeah. Not hammered in a... No, any, no, no. Any no. other way. I wait until I get home. <laughs> yeah. You think I would do that and drive? <laughs> That's uh, insulting. It's insulting. Um, no, uh, so <laughs> I have to listen. I have to listen for both things. Even, you know, sometimes I'll try to determine are they right or how dare they or whatever. And it's like, no, I got to ask yourself, what is God trying to get you to grow out of? And it may be that you, I grow out of caring that people are saying things like this to me. Mm-hmm. So what is he wanting me to grow into? So he doesn't mm-hmm. want me just to be callous and that I create a hardness on my heart so that sticks and stones can break my bones but names will never hurt me. That's not, that, you know, that's not, that may be a response to grow out of something but not grow into something. Mm-hmm. God wants my, there's a verse, Tim, do you remember, no, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> there's some place in the scriptures where it talks about that he will take our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. And I think that's, I'm going to go with Jeremiah on that one. Uh, but I think he wants to take away our hearts of stone and turn them into hearts of flesh, be, beating. Mm-hmm. So it's not that God just wants us not to be so hard. He also wants us to grow into something. Mm-hmm. So God doesn't want me just not to say stupid things to my wife. He wants me to grow into knowing what is it that I need to speak in edification to my wife mm-hmm. you know yeah some guys will just shut up and they well i'm not gonna open my mouth anymore mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's not learning um so uh anybody find that verse out there yeah, where was it ezekiel. no way ezekiel. we were just talking about ezekiel we, oh, beforehand man, I, kind of in jest yes but it was... about whether or not it was in the bible <laughs> 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 <That's>, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it's in Ezekiel. He says, uh, uh, "Got a verse number for us." 
3626. Ezekiel 3626. 3626. Wow. That's, We're it's in there. It, <laughs> I'm telling you, you I can quote them. I just don't know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so God well, you you know, that happens a lot. You've heard it said. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I say to me. <laughs> but I say to you. We're just following his example. Uh, uh, <laughs> so we're growing out of something, but we're growing into something. Okay? So that's mm-hmm. that's really important. So today, um, we're going to take a, a look at uh, these two kings mm-hmm. um, who are presented with a an engaged learning moment. Now, remember, just because you're in a learning moment doesn't mean you're learning. Okay, right. just because, right. like, like I've always said, I wasn't learning a lot in flood number one. L- flood number two, same situation, you know, uh, learned a lot more. Flood number three, learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think that a lot of people, the only reason why they mess up in their second marriages is because they don't see their divorce as a learning moment. Mm-hmm. See, we're... As Christians, we hate divorce, and uh, we know God hates divorce, but sometimes we find ourselves in that situation. Uh, but if we, but if, if somebody goes into a divorce and comes out of it, and they haven't learned anything, and they are still insisting that it was my spouse, then, it, then its power to teach us something is, is totally lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so we're about to see two guys enter into it. They both have messed up. Both these kings have messed up. And I think that's really good to point out that even kings mess up, men of God mess up, women of God mess up, and they are growing out of something. Interesting, the outcome is not determined by who messed up the most or the least. It never is. It is the result of who's willing to learn the most in it. So if you're out there and you're like, well, yeah, if you did what I did, then, you know, I can't learn anything from that. It's like, no, uh, the learning moment's never determined by who messed up the most. The one who comes out of that learning moment is the one who is determined that they are going to learn from, they're going to grow out of something and they're going to grow into something that God wants them to be. So we're going to start with the first guy. His name is King Saul. This is juicy. I love, I mean, this stuff that you're going to get tonight um, is just absolutely phenomenal. B- biblical stuff that is, it is going to be so apparent after this. And, and I'm going to challenge you uh, to ask yourself, am I approachable with the truth? Uh, and can I be challenged? Can somebody ask me that question about, um, can I be taught? And so we got... Uh, God tells King Saul, and we're going to start with him. He's the older of the two men. God tells King Saul to engage the Amalekites in battle who have been attacking Israel repeatedly and to wipe them out. Mm-hmm. Okay? Again, people misinterpret this. It's like, why does he wipe out the Amalekites? Well, this isn't the first time the Amalekites have, have you know, hamstrung the, mm-hmm. the people of Israel. And they God's like, thorn in their side. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, okay, we just got to get rid of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so God is very specific in his instruction to King Saul and tells them not to le- allow anything to live, even their cattle. I mean, kill them all. Their cat, their dog, their cattle, everything. 
But Saul, King Saul, wins the battle but decides to let the king of the Amalekites live and the best cattle for himself. So he wins the battle. He wipes out the Amalekites, except for this one guy over here. And um, the really nice cars, you know, it's like... The king of the Amalekites had like these really good supercars or whatever, and he just you got chair problems going no, on good. over there. I just see you going up and down. I just oh, you blew our cover, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get a discreet. Do it discreet. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I see you. <laughs> well, you know, there's a position of you got to be level here. Just yeah, that's right. That's right. We got to be in the same position. That's to learn. exactly right. I don't want to be that's too right. assertive here. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so God is very specific. Don't leave anything alive. But Saul thinks better of it. God didn't mean the king in all of his affluence. And, of course, he didn't want me to kill the good cattle. Mm -hmm. So here's what happens. Can you go ahead and yeah. start us? If you're, if you're following along in the scriptures, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, starting in verse 7, is where we're, we're starting at. But, um, yeah, so listen to, listen to what happens. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Samuel, saying, I regret that I have made... Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. The prophet Samuel came to King Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Wow, okay, pretty cool use of uh, uh, I mean, poetic language there. Mm -hmm. So Saul's like, I did what I was supposed to do. In my own way of thinking about it, in my own, you know. Um, and Samuel says, well, then why am I hearing sheep and why am I hearing the oxen? Because you were told to kill everything. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Um, I'll say, and, and then let me just point out one other thing. That I right. think it's a beautiful point. That what's happening to King Saul at this particular moment is the approach of divine truth. I think... In all of our lives, whether it's in a mess up or a challenge from God, there is that initial moment when we are approached by divine truth. Samuel is representing the approach of divine truth. And how our lives go with God will be determined by how we handle that approach. Okay? So divine truth... I mean, there's no doubt to, I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, Saul just said, blessed are you of the Lord. Uh, and so uh, everybody knows that he's, uh, he's the anointed one. And so we're seeing Saul's first reaction mm -hmm. to divine truth. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's continue. Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. Okay. A um, couple things going on in this is absolutely amazing. They brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen. Mm. Okay, so, so he's not willing to take responsibility for what's going on in Israel at this point, even though he's the king. Mm -hmm. He's already determined that the people are going to be blamed for his moral failure. Okay, so remember we talked about when truth approaches us, we have to not, there's not only the, the data that comes to us, but how we respond to that data and why we respond to that data. 
that determined the outcome. So it's not just the information. And already we're finding that when challenged by divine truth, that he's already going to try to find his himself a way to not be at fault for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's continue. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Okay, now we got him. I mean, he is beginning to show his underbelly. Okay, he's beginning to show that he is not teachable. Um, first of all, he's now going to argue with divine truth about what what the voice of God is and what obeying is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now he's going to... Um, mitigate truth. He's going to some way try to figure out how this is okay. Have you ever been in that place before where you've mitigated truth? Mm-hmm. Where you like, I know this is wrong, but yet, you know, I think I think it's okay in this situation for me to to do this. And, um, and, and then you try to kind of like put it off on something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and that's exactly what he does. He blames it on the people. But then he says something that's so important, and you can't miss this. He says, but the people took some of the spoils, sheep and oxen, the choices of the things devoted to destruction, and he said, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Okay? Now, okay, it sure would have been nice if he had said our God. Or but he, mine. Or my God, yeah. right, right. Um, so you're now seeing that the heart of Saul is really not engaged in this moment. Mm-hmm. He is just trying to mitigate responsibility. And we're also seeing that he doesn't feel himself under the pressure um, of the, the scrutiny and the authority of God in his life. That brings us back to the Moses situation. Okay, all of a sudden Moses feels this moment from God and, and we see a resolution take place to, to bring it into obedience to God. But not Saul. Saul's trying to squirm out of this. He's trying to blame it on people. And then this, I think when he's pressured, his real heart reveals that he's not really my God. We're going to see that again take place. Mm-hmm. Let's continue. Samuel said, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Then he said, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel, and go back with me that I may worship the Lord your God. Okay, again, we have your God language still being played out here. So he's really disconnected his his heart. Um, He says, I have sinned, I have indeed transgressed, because I feared the people listened to their voice. See, these are some of the things that get in the way of a learning moment, is the voice of other people. Um, whether or not we are willing to obey, even though we may receive some criticism at the same time. Um, Saul wasn't willing to do that. Um, but then he goes on to say, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. He doesn't say, please honor me before the Lord. 
He says, please honor me before the people. See, his truth and his learning um, and his heart are only as good as the people that are in the story with him. He doesn't bring any teachability, any personal, uh, like the resolute heart. He doesn't have the resolute heart. He does whatever the people say he should do. But also, um, he wants Samuel to honor him before the people. He doesn't say, honor me before the Lord. He says, honor me before the people. Again, uh, we're finding out why this guy's heart is not teachable. He says, go back with me that I may worship the Lord your God. Never accepting uh, responsibility, wanting to restore his honor before people than, than before God. I mean, he just wants to save face. That's all he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Remember, we talked just because you're in a learning moment doesn't mean you're, you're learning. This guy, here's the data, and the, way, the reason why he's processing the data is because he wants to save face. That's not a learning moment. And I, 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 think, I think that might be the difference between being shrewd and being holy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the thing is, is sometimes it can look exactly the same. Um, you may have a, a, a guy that, and, and please, if, this is, if you don't like this illustration, it's the only one I got. Uh, so um, it, it's, uh, you got a guy who doesn't sleep with, a, with his girlfriend, okay? And, and the reason why he doesn't sleep with his girlfriend is, is uh, and so they, so let's say their pastor asks them, uh, you guys sleeping together? And Oh, no, we're not sleeping together. And the reason why they're not sleeping together is because he's afraid she'll get pregnant. Or she's afraid, you know, he's, she's going to get an STD or something like that. I don't know why she's dating him, but, you know. Um, but that's, those are reasons right there why they're not, they're not sleeping together. Um, then you've got the person or the couple that's not sleeping together because they want to honor the Lord with their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Now, both of them look exactly the same and are sitting in the same pew and are both performing the same non-act before God. But and So they have the data the same, but one's doing it because it's just shrewd. The other one's doing it because they want to honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, what, it's like that, uh, remember the Of God series? Yeah. God-ish versus Oh yeah. Remember that? Or Oh, no. Yeah, remember that? That's good stuff. Yeah. That was that that was that we can be so many times we can be God-ish or godly, I think is the first yeah. is, is how but being of God is a completely different thing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah because you can be godish mm-hmm. and not be of and that's, God. That's kind of how that example is. They're doing yeah. something that is the exact same thing. Yeah. To the to the eye test, yeah. but it doesn't pass in the Heart test. I, I think a, a, a subject that this will apply to really well is um, uh, biblical giving. Okay? Oh, yeah. Um, now, I know that the scripture says give and it will be given to you. Press down, shake it down, roll it over, um, you know, infused with uh, all kinds of stuff. and Essential you know, oils. Yes, yeah. essential oils. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I do know that the verse says that, but I don't think that, that Jesus is wanting us to buy into that as a motivation. I think that's, that's a causal effect that takes place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the effect of, um, uh, it's kind of like tithing. And I can, I can open up the Bible and I can 
read Malachi and quote it to the church and say, God, if you tithe, I will pour out a blessing and your storehouse will be full and all that stuff. And it's a biblical, that's biblical data, okay? And I know that a lot of people have done that because they don't want their washing machine to break or because they want to get a, a job, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so they want to honor the Lord with that. But it's really about honor, it's it's not about just the data of well I give ten percent to the church. I've I've heard people go through really difficult hard times financially, and they'll scratch their heads like, well, wait a minute, but we tithe. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, what do you think you were doing buying God? Um, even though you were doing the same act as another person, your motive may have been totally different. Mm-hmm. You were honoring God not so that you could get more, but you were honoring God for what He had already given you. Sure, there are scriptures that God invites us into this wonderful cycle of of receiving from the Lord, honoring the Lord, giving back to the Lord. Um, But there is a point where we want to exit and uh, enter and exit for the wrong reason, Mm -hmm. that we're just, you know, doing something. So we're God-ish, but we're not of God Mm -hmm. in the same thing. That's, um, I, I think. We should do a series about that. About tithing? No, of God. Oh, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> I think that would be really good. Yeah, that would be good. Um, so who's the other guy we're going to talk about? King David. All right, all right. We're reading out of Second uh, Samuel 11, okay. starting in verse 27. Okay, and now, first of all, remember, Saul. all Saul does wrong, and I'm, that's tongue-in-cheek, but all that he's done wrong is just not kill somebody he was supposed to kill and kill a bunch of sheep and oxen. Now we got a guy who's committed adultery with Bathsheba Mm -hmm. and then has her husband murdered. Okay, I don't know. If I'm God, I might be weighing this guy (laughs) a little bit differently. So if it's based upon crime and that you, the one who learns the most is the one who's guilty the least, then Saul should come out smelling like a rose. Mm Mm-hmm. But now we have David. His hands are drenched in blood. He's committed adultery. Um, we find out she ends up uh, pregnant. Um, he, as soon as the husband's killed, he barely lets her go through the time of mourning, and then he sends one of his folks to go get her. I mean, so this dude's uh, this dude's like sitting there at the table like a little kid. Yeah. Okay, okay, is, is he dead? Is he dead? Is he dead? And then it's like, uh, yes, uh, Uriah is dead. It's like, okay, go get her. You know, it's it's like wow, dude, mm-hmm. you're you're just so. Um, uh, so let's pick up that story and see how David enters into. It. Remember Saul? All of a sudden, we find a chasm between him and God. We find he processes data differently. We find that when divine authority approaches him, divine truth approaches him, he responds a certain way. Let's see how David does it. When the time of mourning for Bathsheba's husband, was Uriah, was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife. Then she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Then the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to David. Okay. Again, I want you to see that before we had, we had Samuel approaching Saul, okay, metaphorically the approach of divine authority, divine truth, now we have Nathan being approached. I tell you, every one of us, the Holy Spirit will always approach us um, on issues of our heart. He, 
every one of us, whether we're a Saul or a David or whoever we are, that if God wants to um, speak to something of our heart, he will send the Holy Spirit and will teach us with, with the divine authority of God. Mm-hmm. And, and how we respond to that is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so truth is approaching, and now he's entering this engaged learning moment. Okay, let's, so here's Nathan uh, talking to David. Yeah. And he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little, how do you say that word? You. You. I was like, you a lamb, but I always get the Beulah lamb song in my head, but anyway. Which he brought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom, and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd. To prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him, rather he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing that had no compassion. Okay, so David, first of all, David sees evil for evil. Remember, Saul didn't see it. He He called it... That the choice ox that were set for destruction. So he kind of like, he's, again, moving the line a little bit. It's like, come on, you can't expect me to destroy his supercar. Mm-hmm. I mean, he paid 100000 for that. I, I yeah. mean, God, I'm sure if it was a, a Volkswagen, you know, a 69 Volkswagen, I would have, you know, we would have demolished that thing, but not a supercar. Mm-hmm. So we, we, with David, we don't see that that um, trying to justify type of language. When he hears truth, when he sees evil being presented, he, he speaks very, um, he's, it's, and realizes that something has to be done. And what, is, what does Nathan go on to say? Nathan then said to David, you are the man. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Okay. So David lets Nathan put his finger in his face and say, you're the man. Okay. Um, are we up for that kind of correction from the Lord? Hmm. See, that's, that's really a difficult moment. I think in America, we just want to be, um, we want to be approached on a parallel thing, you know, maybe kind of coaxed into what's right. And then David has Nathan point his finger in his face and, and say, you're the man. I think it's also interesting that David doesn't retreat, how dare you talk to me that way? I'm the king of Israel. But David sees that his position is submitted to the authority of divine truth. Nobody gets to an elected position or a relational position, whether as a father, as a mother, or a husband and a wife, or a boss, where we are above being told that we're the man, that we're the ones that have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. I love it that David doesn't immediately push back and say, how dare you talk to that mo- that way, sir. Um, <laughs> and then, remember what Saul said? The people, the people saved. But listen to David. I have sinned against 
the Lord, okay? Not against your Lord, against the Lord. See, this is somebody who is really willing to learn. And I really think God does this with with all of us. God will many times, I mean, I would like to say it's many times in a week that God will put his finger on something on me, on me. it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's not right. Mm-hmm. That attitude that you've got, that's not right. Um, I don't know how to, it, it, you know, yeah. can you think of a time that, well, you don't have to give us the details. I don't want you. Uh, let's ask. Let's uh, ask Tim. Let's no. ask Tim. Is that Tim? No, no. <laughs> if if you're out there and you're wondering who Tim is, Tim is a, uh, and his wife are great people here at Crosstown um, that have been ministering to uh, people uh, for years and years, and we just like teasing him. Yeah, and he's he's, he's a, more respectable than. Oh yeah, he's doing our de- he's doing a devotional for us. Yes, every Sunday every after Sunday, the sermon, yeah. he's writing a devotional, and mm-hmm. it gets sent on the app. It's on the app, yeah. It's, it's on the app. We so have a daily devotional for you every, every day, day of the week, broken down, so you yeah. can take the sermon and then kind mm-hmm. of yeah. digest it. Yeah, you it's, know, it's incredible, and it's and it's really kind of like this. It's the idea of breaking down divine truth mm-hmm. and then presenting it for the purpose of growing and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and David was the guy that said, "Nope, it's it's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm responsible." Yeah, um, that's why this may sound really personal, but whenever I I try to talk about my divorce, I really don't think as I've gotten older as it. What my ex-spouse might have done is really not of consequence. Um, I can look at what I did in the relationship, and it was good enough. You know what I mean? I mean, good enough to to end the relationship, whether it was my hot temper or whatever it was. It was like, okay, now my job is not to explain to you why my first marriage failed and blame it on my ex-spouse, but rather to prepare myself for the next marriage that I was hoping that God would bring into my life, I had to be willing to say, okay, God, send me Nathan and tell me what did I do to screw this marriage up? Because she didn't do it all by herself. And uh, you had to be, you have to be willing to allow the Lord to, to have divine truth point at you and, and, and say, you know, you're the man. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this: Where do we get this divine truth from? I mean, let's just let's just spitball it. Is that another? That's a that's a thing. That's yeah. a thing. No, yeah, why would it. you spitball it? I mean, I I know. I we wonder say the etymo- ta- I, I'm interested in the etymology of certain phrases like that. Yeah. You know, etymology. Is that it? Is that it? No, yeah. that is. And then there's entymology. Is, is Anybody know what entymology <laughs> is? Study of bees. I think that's entymology. And then epistemology. Mm. Oh. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. You did a whole thing. That was last year. Yeah. (laughs) Just sounds bad. (laughs) No, it's the study of knowing. Um, Okay. So, uh, but where do we get these? So, in your personal life, what? How does God kind of get the Nathan in you? Oh, first it starts with His Word. Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing, and then it's contemplating that. Sometimes it's just straight away. Yeah. You'll read that. It could be a person's take on. His word, such as a devotional plan or another teaching of somebody, mm-hmm. um, but then that hits quick sometimes, and then sometimes it's one of those just like I'm going to just spend time in your presence, walking around, praying, yeah, and in hopes that you will drop something in, right, about what you want 
me to know today. Yeah. Whether it's about you, about something I've done, those kind of moments come with me a lot with the Nathan moments. And sometimes they're, I mean, even in experiences, I think, too. You're right, going, right. Yeah, like going through COVID and those kind of things, just trying to be like, I'm not going to let this happen, go through it, and not having learned something. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, and, and it's like about wearing masks. You oh, know, yeah. I was so angry about wearing masks, and it's like, I ain't letting the government tell me to wear a mask. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm one of these guys. You know, and it was like, but there's a scripture that says, obey the author- those who have authority over you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, it's not causing me to violate a biblical principle by obeying this law, because mm-hmm. then I would disobey it, but it's not a violation of it. And it's like, put your stinking mask on, Paul. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but I don't like being told that. Well, the scriptures even tell you that you're supposed to obey the authorities, as long yeah. as they don't run contradictory to the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you bring up the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There are those times when the Holy Spirit will just kind of challenge you, particularly in marriage. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know why the Holy Spirit works so much faster in marriage than he does in anything else. Immediately. Maybe it's (laughs) because maybe the Holy Spirit's in both of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it it, it comes at you really, it picks up like velocity. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like one of those toys. You ever seen those toys that you gave your kids that you got the regular car, you could push across the thing. Then you get the one where you you go like, oh yeah, and you pull it backwards, and then so you let go of it. Yeah, until it starts, and then it flies across. Mm-hmm. I find that in a marriage relationship, when both people are are submitted to the authority of God and they are uh, being led by the Holy Spirit, that it that it comes at you quick, you know. And that's why you don't let your son go uh, anger go down on you. Don't, no, don't yeah. let your the sun go down on you <laughs> when you're angry. Yeah, yeah. Is because. Um, it comes at you quick. It doesn't take long between for me and Susan. It's not like a day later I'm finally figuring out what did I say wrong to Susan. I mean, if I oh, yeah. could get out of the room, I, I, I know. As soon as I have said it, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, and here's another place that you may not like is brothers and sisters in Christ. We bow up onto this. Oh, yeah. But sometimes a brother and sister in Christ have to come up to us and tell us, listen, you know, hey, I saw you the other day um, coming out of Costco with um, <laughs> like a shopping cart full of liquor. And it's a big shopping and cart. And it was a big shopping cart. <laughs> and it was like, I'm a little concerned about uh, what's going on there. You know, and most of us were like, yeah. it's none of your business. Oh, okay. When does the community of God, when... When are they authorized to approach us? Remember, Nathan was part of the community of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samuel is part of the community of God. You know, do you have people in your life that can walk up to you and speak truth into your life, even if it doesn't uh, yeah. feel good? Yeah. Um, I think it's fa- didn't. Isn't it true that David had the door that only Nathan could access? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It's kind of like a back door. Of the, yeah, uh, right to his right to the right, throne room. Right. Not anybody could just go through that. That's thing. right. Right. It's right. So it's like it a secret. constant. Gunk, gunk, yeah. Gunk, 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 right. And the door would open. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That says that verbatim. Second <laughs> <laughs> Samuel. Yes, <laughs> and that's the original Hebrew. <laughs> gunk, gunk. <laughs> uh, but yes, there's got to be somebody that can, and I love it, is how, that enter into the mm-hmm. the, Always the hidden pl- places of your heart and speak to those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the benefit of being discipled by a, a couple uh, great men of God, and uh, particularly one Fred Richard up in Northwood, and um, 
uh, he was kind of like my, I wouldn't say he was uh, my Nathan. He would be more like my, my Samuel. Nathan, I thought that was really cool. He came up with an artsy story. Yeah. To kind of like loosen David up a little bit. Uh, Fred wouldn't wait for a, for a cute little story. You know, um, you hear those spurs. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he come out. He was from Texas. That's or he is yeah. from Texas and a uh, great man of God. But I remember one time uh, I had an opportunity to speak at Northwoods and me and him were uh, had seen each other at prayer time on Wednesday morning. It was just me and him. And I remembered that he said to me, it was it was it was really it was really neat. He said, you are one of the best communicators I have ever heard. But then he told me, you are also one of the most arrogant people I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, and I was you. like, wow. <laughs> I was like, that was that was nice. Now, this was a long time ago when I was arrogant. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's, it's not, not like anymore. this. Yeah, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> no, get behind me. Not today, devil. Um, but that was harsh. But it was exactly, do you know that I... Remember that to this day, because whenever I feel I succeed at communicating um, as God has wanted me to, I am reminded by his correction that arrogance can quickly follow it. And so I always remind myself of that, that with every virtue you experience, there is an attending vice that wants to overcome you. Absolutely. And if you don't have people that tell you when the vice has overcome you, I feel bad for you. There's a whole bunch of proverbs about like how many strands of cord that when they're, you know, one mm-hmm. strand it breaks, but if there's three bound together or if one walks and, and uh, falls, there's another one there to pick them up. I think that's a lesson not only about fellowship, but I think it's a lesson about the uh, being accompanied by truth in your life. And if you have nobody that's, that's telling you about, you know, what's going on in your life. There's got to be somebody that has the key to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's I think that's really cool. So, so David doesn't dodge the responsibility. He doesn't hide behind the authority of his crown. So, if you ever have a pastor other than me that that says to you, "Well, I'm the pastor," and that's his best answer. Um, that's probably that might be a scary place to be. If that's if 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 somebody is hiding behind their authority, that might be revealing an unteachable heart. Mm-hmm. That's why the scripture says that elders and pastors have to be teachable. Uh, we can't hide behind the crown. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think it's interesting, and and I this is one that I came up with because I'm a man um he doesn't blame Bathsheba for bathing where she can be seen because men do that all the time oh you it's know? right there yeah it's right there <laughs> or I I look but I didn't touch or oh, yeah. you know that whole <laughs> yeah, that kind works. of uh, I, attitude that men can have you know mm-hmm. um but he he does not blame Bathsheba for bathing where she can be seen you know, it's like, honey, I, I'm sorry, but you know what? She was just amazing, and, you know, it's not going to fly with my wife. Why would I think it would fly with God? Mm-hmm. Honey, would that fly with you? No, definitely mm-hmm. not. Okay, definitely you not. remind me of that. Yeah, don't yeah. use that one. Don't, okay, yeah. and then, and then <laughs> um, he, 
he doesn't blame Uriah's death on the sons of Ammon. You know, he could say to God, but God, I technically didn't kill Uriah. The sons of Ammon did it. And God's like, oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're not going to get I mean, I think he instructed uh, one of his lead guys. It may be a Joab or Joe. Was it Joab? I think he instructed him to get Uriah up near the wall so that a oh, rock yeah. would fall on him. <laughs> right I mean, in the front. <laughs> yes. He didn't just want him to get killed. He wanted a rock dropped on his head. Um, and, and, but he didn't hide behind that, uh, that he wasn't the trigger man. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't do it. I didn't actually play. God's like, oh, no, no. And, and, and David says, he realizes, I'm the man. I have sinned. Um, so uh, the last thing that we hear from King Saul was a plea to keep other people from finding out. And I think it's as he's, uh, Samuel is walking out of the tent and he's begging Samuel to not let the people find out. He just says, hey, walk out with me so it looks like we're good, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and uh, I think he tears the garment of, of uh, yeah. Samuel on the way out the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, and all of it, his angst, is not because he sinned against the Lord. It's just he doesn't want other people to find out. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? But we do that a lot. We'll change something that we're doing just because we don't want people to find out. Not necessarily because it's against God, but mm-hmm. the last thing that we hear from David on the on this issue, uh, instead of you know, please keep the people from finding out, please honor me before the people. Why don't you read to us um, the Psalm of David, fifty-one, to mm-hmm. reveal what he says? Psalm fifty-one for the choir director. A Psalm of David regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Okay, first of all, can I just say, who starts off a song telling on yourself? Okay? Um, Yeah. I think that's real teachable. It's like, yeah, I think that's real teachable. I think Peter was kind of like that, too. I think Peter really messed up bad. Um, But I, I, I I think it's funny that it's the title line for the beginning. Can you imagine doing a worship song starts off like that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, but, yeah. okay, so that starts yeah. off. So there's no dodging the issue, and uh, any chance of this not going public is totally removed. Um, so um, so let's continue. What, what does he say? Be gracious to me, O oh God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Can, can you, what would have happened to Saul if he had responded like this? I think his life would have turned out totally different. By the way, his life tends, turns out to be a mess. He ends up getting killed by the, um, I think, the, was it the Philistines? I think end up killing him and his son. And uh, they, they uh, I think they cut off his head and hang his body uh, on the wall of the city. So mm-hmm. it, it really doesn't go well for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listen to David. For I know my transgression, my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. 
This is a guy that's like, what I do in secret is just as sinful as what I do in public. That's why I never judge a man who's cheated on his wife. Okay? I know that may sound different. sound crazy. I, I personally don't judge him. Um, because, you know, in, in the past I've had my struggles with things like pornography. Um, I don't see it any different than the guy who cheats on his wife, personally. I just see it as cowardice. You know, I mean, at least David had the guts to go out there and do it. Um, uh, but the porn issue, it's like, okay, I'm doing it in secret, and therefore I'm not sinning before God. And, and David's like, no, my sin's ever before me, and I have sinned against you. It doesn't matter if anybody saw it. it. doesn't matter if it was physically manifested in the time-space continuum. Mm -hmm. It was against God. I see that all sins are transgressions against God, a rebellion against him. And, I, and he says, I know it. I own it. And, man, that's why God loves this kid so much. It's because he's willing to earn, own his failures. Um, and it's not that God is, is like, I only love you when you don't fail. It's like, are you willing to own your failure? Because if you're willing to own your failure, then the chance of you owning the forgiveness is probably likely. Mm -hmm. You know, if you never own the sin, you will never fully own the forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So let's keep, let's keep reading. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you make me no wisdom. Purify me, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Okay. All right. And again, we're going back to the Moses situation. Okay. He whom the Father loves, he chastises. See, we have, we have David attributing the breaking of his bones to God. Now, we technically know that David's physical bones were not broken. But he understands um, that the grief of his sin was like a breaking and not only a breaking because it got caught, but that God did that breaking in him. Mm -hmm. And um, those, those it's, it's a he whom the Lord loves, uh, he chastises. And those who are taught by it will reap the peaceable fruit of righteousness. See, David's allowing himself to be taught by God in the midst of his transgression. And he will reap that peaceable fruit of righteousness. Mm. Okay. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, and the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Yeah, it's almost an echoing of the bleeping of the sheep and the lowing of the cattle. He, he says, I'm not interested in how good the cattle is and how good the offering is. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, what you want is, a, is somebody that's teachable. 
And um, I think it's just beautiful how he asked God to restore the joy of his salvation. There are some times when it's, then we, when we shouldn't be um, joyful. Um, there's, a, there's a scripture, I, I think it's in Isaiah, where he talks about that Israel has fallen into sin so much that they don't blush anymore. It's kind of an interesting uh, take on the idea of how one reacts to something wrong. But he says, you no longer blush, meaning that it no longer has an effect on you. And I, I think it's beautiful how David, it's okay to be grieved by God. And I, I think everybody needs to hear that it doesn't, it's not the, the level of your sin that's your downfall. It's your willingness to be forgiven and taught by God that will, will save you. But the downfall is when you decide that you're not going to be open to God. And some people can do that in a false sense of humility. I mean, David could have said, my sin's always before me. God, forget me. I'm no good. God, you, you can't use me. I mean, God's not pleased with that either. Okay, that kind of sacrifice, that's, it may look like humility. It's not really humility. I would actually say it's insulting to God. Because um, people will say to me, you know, um, why, why do you believe God forgives you? It's like, because otherwise I would have to insult him and say that he hasn't. When he gave his only son for me to be forgiven, so I, I really, I really love how how David is willing to allow some joy to have left his life for the purpose for a season. Um, I, what's what did Stacy talk about? Lamenting mm -hmm. um, that I don't think we as Christians in America we we don't like lamenting. Mm -hmm. I mean, where our heart is sorrowful before God. And we cry out to God from a broken place. But we're finding that David is becoming what God will call a man after my own heart. It's like, well, how can David be a man after his own heart when, when he's done such an evil thing? It's because um, he was teachable. He was willing to be broken by God. Mm -hmm. He was willing to say, I have sinned. I'm the man. So I, th I think in these two stories, two kings of Israel, we have seen both men enter, enter into a learning circle. And one man just kind of bounces off in, uh, what do they call it when a line only intersects a circle at one point? Anybody? Geometry? Mm. 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 Yeah, it's called the tangent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when yeah, a line yeah. intersects a circle at one point and then shoots off. See, that's what Saul does. He only enters into the conversation, the circle, long enough to just touch it at one point, but then he goes off on his own thing. David allows this line of truth to go right through his heart and, um, and wants to be transformed by it. Mm -hmm. So... That's what it is to be a learner in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Mm -hmm. um, the good news of God is that be willing to allow that truth to, to enter into your life and transform you, to mm -hmm. be taught by it, to yeah. change the way of thinking. Yeah. I think our culture needs that now. Yeah. 
to us to be as a church of learners. Yeah. People that are, yeah. Oh, and, and the, I mean, so much. <laughs> the perfect issue is this race thing. Yeah. I'm not getting it all right. I mean, I, you know. You got years to work through of things that didn't even know was. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, so, so it's like, first of all, for me to assume that I don't have a problem, it's kind of arrogant, you know, that, uh, you know, I don't need to be taught about. It. I haven't done anything wrong. I didn't mm -hmm. own any slaves. You oh, know? right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, so that's it. That's a, the, the people. The people, you yeah. know, brought the sheep, you know. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. So you're just assuming you don't have anything to learn in this moment. Now, it may not be the same for everybody. And I do like to avoid that, that all whites need to learn this or all blacks yeah. need to learn that. We can't do that either. But we do need to enter and say, okay, God, here's where I am as in this culture that I'm in. What do you want me to learn in the middle of this moment? Teach me. Mm -hmm. Search me. See if there's any wicked way within me. Mm -hmm. Restore a, a right spirit within me. Mm -hmm. uh, I would never make the assumption that I entered an event with the right spirit. I always assume, that's why I say I, I carry an, a, uh, an apology in my back pocket, is that I am ready to apologize because for me to enter into a situation thinking I have full perspective of it and I'm completely right on it is... Um, is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a lot of stuff there. Yeah, we got some. We got some questions. I'm going to put them in for all you YouTube people. I'll put them in the uh, comments for you. Okay. But all these are for all of us here too. Um, you want me to go over those? Awful. You want me, yeah, yeah, you want me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, give you yeah. a few of them. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Let me hear a couple. All of them. All right. What are your personal authoritative sources? Yeah. So, who is that in your life? What is that in your? Yep. You know what is. We want to hear about what are who are your personal authoritative sources. Mm -hmm. What is when it comes down to something speaking into your life? Mm -hmm. First of all, do you have any? Yeah. Can anybody talk to you and you not run away from them? Okay, I mean, is there anybody that can come up to you and say you're the man? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I we're asking that everybody check and see is there is there somebody in your life. That that can do that, mm -hmm. and do any of those cause collisions yeah. with you, right? Yeah. And what do you do with those collisions? Mm -hmm. Have you? And I think one of the things we want to ask everybody, especially if you're married, is uh, this week when you argue with your spouse because we're figuring that it's probably going to happen. Maybe this week, um, within a week, maybe you'll have a disagreement. To ask your spouse. What do you want me to learn in this moment? That mm -hmm. is really gutsy. Mm -hmm. What do you want me to learn in this moment? Right. And to present yourself to your spouse or your boss uh, or, you know, whoever, just say, uh, or, or even maybe a kid. I mean, your child. I mean, sometimes we can run rickshaw over a, is that a thing, running rickshaw? Yeah. See, now that makes sense. Yeah, a rickshaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does make sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, that we just run over our kids and like, and it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I mean, it's like, like with you, with, with Alice. It's like, yeah, little Alice. Alice, what do you want me to learn? What do you want daddy to know at this particular moment? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then we got, yeah, the last, uh, we're going to commit, do you want to do the memory as well? Commit this to memory? Yeah, which one? I learned from him that I may know him. Okay. I think that's good. I learned from him mm -hmm. so that I might know him. Yes. Okay. So a little mantra to maybe memorize. Yeah. Take that with you. Yeah. 
throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Mm -hmm. um, I, I Maybe those stories were a little bit out of your cultural visualization. It, it's hard for you to visualize those kinds of stories, but I think they're very poignant, and they were put there f for us to learn from on how we all respond when divine truth approaches us. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and to make sure that we do have sources of divine truths, mm -hmm. whether it's a small group, whether it's a devotional that we're doing, uh, whether it's uh, people we're in relationship with. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. Why don't you close this out? Yeah. Why don't you take us there? I will oh, yeah. right, I got it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it shows us. Thank you for these two men that we see take two different paths with... Um, with this learning circle moment that they each had. God, we pray that we would be the type of people that are like King David, that we would have a broken spirit before you if need be, but that we would always be willing to learn and always ready to learn for what you're trying to teach us, that we would be able to have those Nathans in our life that are able to tell us you are the man. Yes. God, we give you the praise and the glory, and we just thank you for all you're going to do and all you've already done. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we just want to remind you that next Wednesday, we will not be meeting yes. uh, in this way, but we will be meeting for Ash Wednesday. It will be taking place here at Crosstown and online. Mm -hmm. um, so come on out and uh, do a little Ash Wednesday with us. Yeah, we're working on some Nerf gun system. Uh, to deliver to the deliver, ashes without COVID-free. Yeah. 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 We've got a so, lot of Nerf guns here, so we're figuring right. something. We should do one of those, like, when they're uh, revealing, when you're doing a baby reveal, oh, and oh, they the go, color, yeah. you know, in the color. We just do that with ashes. <laughs> and just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll all stand out in the parking lot and we'll just detonate it. <laughs> <laughs> There's Lent for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks very that much. That was for free, Babylon uh, yeah. B. If you want to take that one, oh, you're, yeah. you're welcome too. Right. All right. Have a good night. Have a great night.